This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. This is episode 243. I'm calling this Ancient Sabbath Reviews. Um, yeah, so the idea here is that uh, this can be a little bit different, but I've always thought this would make a good book project, and I've been thinking I would like to do a book on this one day. Um, so the idea uh, was that um, I was going to go through some uh, reviews of like early groundbreaking albums and see what they could compare things to, what in the world they would say about Jimi Hendrix or uh, or Black Sabbath or even Sad Wings of Destiny or Pantera coming out with Cowboys from Hell, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I think you could actually make a whole cool book of that and seeing like what is the language you can use to talk about something that is kind of groundbreaking. So there's groundbreaking, there's classic albums, there's big albums, you know, uh, what what could you say about album when it was totally tiny and then all of a sudden it goes diamond. Uh, I thought of focusing just on Led Zeppelin. Um, I thought of focusing just on hard rock and heavy metal. I thought of focusing just on the very early days of hard rock and heavy metal. And then I thought, you know what? But um, there's actually a lot here to talk about, even with these ancient Black Sabbath reviews. Um, so I'm going to relate everything to Sabbath in this episode. So that's going to be kind of the cool way we're going to look at this. Um, so I'm going to actually read a few excerpts from reviews and stuff and uh, and relate it to what we have going on here. Um, you know, one other dimension to this is um, we did a Contrarians episode on our video channel where uh, I interviewed a buddy of mine, David Ted's. Uh, because he was there buying these albums as new releases, and and that was that was the purpose of that show to say what was it like boots on the ground hearing these uh, you know influential albums uh, at that time, and I I almost felt a little bit of a similarity. Um, uh, to these reviews that I'm going to talk about here in the way that uh, it's hard to relate, uh, you know, or, or hard to know the importance of this. And this is why it's always so amusing hearing these people talk about these things. You know, the other kind of show that I think would be really interesting or book um, 
is reviews that got it completely wrong, right? Uh, I always loved reading those re- reviews of some absolute classic, stone cold, amazing album for the ages, and then the guy just like canned it, uh, you know, to to begin with. And they go, "Well, boy, you were you were sure wrong about that." That's but that's a whole separate theme, right? Uh, so that's pretty cool too. So, um, anyways, take a listen to our first selection here. This is Cream with NSU. That's- this is something that just cannot be bought. Ah, 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 ah. Now, why are we playing Cream? This is a Cream from Fresh Cream 1966. Um, I picked NSU because, uh, you know, Black Sabbath on their first album has a song called NIB. Uh, so here we've got NSU. Boy, I was going through Cream and trying to pick songs and, and thinking, man, this band is really the uh, definition of overrated. This was not that great a band. I mean, we really talk about Cream in glowing terms and I don't know why they get so much uh, praise, but uh, Fresh Cream is not that great. We know Goodbye is crap, right? Three live songs, one, you know, four stu whatever it is, four studio songs. We got Wheels of Fire, which is one one album live, one studio. So yeah, they didn't do much either. Covers. Um, anyway, that's Cream with NSU, and I'm picking that because. Um, the theme for our first uh, category here is Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, the first album. Um, so I wanted to play something. And Okay, so why I wanted to play this is everything that I'm going to pick here uh, is something is a band that is referenced uh, to compare uh, Black Sabbath to. So that's what we're going to get here. So I haven't picked any Black Sabbath songs. So I'm just try, trying, to, trying to be uh, a little bit different here. So, okay, so Lester Bangs, writing in Rolling Stone, September... Uh, 17th, 1970. So it took a long time to write, uh, to get this review out of Black Sabbath. Um, But he says, mediocrity doesn't tutor greatness often when it is influential at all. Its progeny usually achieve even rancor nadirs. Um, Now, to start off with, this is the thing. Uh, early, early um, rock criticism could be very experimental and and quite thick and dense. And Lester Bangs obviously is a is a legend of this, right? Um, let's see. Uh, but in rock, uh, one of whose founding principles is that glorious mistakes can open out into amazing new styles. Anything can happen. Thus, the cream phenomenon, which is far from dead even now, Gun and Black Sabbath are two recent additions to the troops. So right off the bat, he's also comparing Black Sabbath to Gun, and Gun wasn't that great a band. I mean, obviously, we had Race with the Devil. Everybody likes that, but they put out that one album and then Gun Sight, which was really light. So they went away. Black Sabbath didn't go away. Uh, Gun and Black Sabbath are two recent additions. Troops both from England over across the tracks in the industrial side of cream country lie unskilled laborers like Black Sabbath, which was hyped as a rock and ritual celebration of the satanic mass or some such claptrap, something like England's answer to Coven. Um, so he's bringing up Coven. So Coven, Jinx Dawson, this was an actually, you know, pretty satanic band, um, but they were light. Uh, and then there was another band like Black Sabbath that was light uh, called Black Widow that they're often compared to. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, then he goes, well, they're not that bad, but that's about all the credit you can give them. The whole album is a shuck, despite the murky song titles and some inane lyrics that sound like vanilla fudge paying doggerel tribute to Aleister Crowley. So 
he has to compare them to vanilla fudge because there's not that much heavy stuff out there. Vanilla fudge, believe it or not, were, were considered kind of a heavy band back then. So that's kind of interesting. Um, the album has nothing to do with spiritualism, the occult, or anything much except a stiff recitation of cream cliches. So number one, it actually does have a lot of occult on it. Um, but And number two, it doesn't sound anything like cream. So he's comparing it to cream. Uh, and yet, really, there's not much cream to it. Uh, that sound like the musicians learned them out of a book, grinding on and on with dogged persistence. So that's, he's, he's a, Lester's a bit wrong there because this is new and innovative and groundbreaking, and it, it doesn't sound like learned out of a book. Um, vocals are sparse, most of the album being filled with plodding bass lines over which the lead guitar dribbles wooden claptonisms from the master's tiredest cream days. Uh, so number one, Tony Iommi is miles ahead of Eric Clapton and and it's everything on here is way more explosive and exciting than even the most violent lurching heavy cream stuff so I don't know what he's on about there uh, they even have discordant jams with bass and guitar reeling like velocitized speed freaks that's true all over each other's musical perimeters yet never quite finding sync just like cream but worse so yeah he's kind of getting it all wrong and the comparisons to cream are kind of stupid uh, Mark Williams from International Times that was one of those hippie magazines from over there March 13th 1970 so these these free hippie magazines i think it was free uh early on the ground it's only a month after the album comes out um uh, on first and possibly second hearing the album sounds a little too simple and contrived okay that's dumb because it's definitely not simple nor contrived it sounds like nothing else and it's not that simple for 1970 uh the press statements spiel about the band's black magic interest sounding suspiciously like a hype and rather adding to that initial plasticity of the total thing definitely not plastic uh i can understand the record company hyping that uh they, they you know hype hype was a big deal back then the band themselves obviously don't don't really hype it uh black sabbath have found a fairly uncomplicated formula of straightforward melody Melody lines and counterpoint definitely not straightforward uh, added a lot of weight and fire and they execute the whole thing with instrumental excellence so that's kind of cool Tommy Iommi's uh, guitar work uh, meriting special attention and compulsive gusto uh, the group's original numbers are original and make uh, comparisons with the penultimate spooky tooth album quite interesting so here the guy has to compare it to a spooky tooth album so that's pretty interesting um, all right, uh, let's take a listen to our, actually, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, 
And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, back again here, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 243, Ancient Sabbath Reviews. Uh, take a listen to our second track here. This is Grand Funk with Paranoid. Right. But still he's not watching you. Okay, so that's from the Grand Funk, uh, the Red Album. Man, Grand Funk should be an episode too because I still swear all these people calling Grand Funk heavy, they gave me the wrong set of Grand Funk albums because I don't find anything heavy about Grand Funk. Uh, I I really don't even find them all that talented or, or really all that good. But anyways, there's uh, there's their Paranoid. Um, and I'm picking that um, because uh, our next uh, selection, I'm not, we're not doing the Paranoid album, but I've got some reviews of the uh, Master of Reality album that I'd like to compare here. So uh, I won't read this whole long one, but we've got uh, Metal Mike Saunders, a buddy of mine. Mike uh, sent me uh, some some really cool stuff. He's in there on the early, this is a whole nother episode, the etymo- etymology of the term heavy metal. He's part of that whole story. Um, but anyways, a Metal Mike review. Um, I'm just going to read you a few of the highlights here, not the whole thing. So he's talking about Grand Funk and he says, Black Sabbath are 10 times cruder than Grand Funk. I, I will agree with that, although they're, they're heavier. I don't I think they're actually more futuristic than Grand Funk and, and more modern sounding and less crude in that sense. But yeah, it's heavier. Um, but this is kind of cool. So he goes, Black Sabbath are one hell of a good rock and roll band. Their music is based on the same uh, formula. Great rock and roll has always risen from from Little Richard to the Stone of the Stooges. So you have to com- compare Sabbath to the Stooges uh, because, there, again, there's not much to compare to. Um, and that's good, heavy stuff. Uh, they're the first Stooges in Funhouse, right? Um, Funhouse, yeah, Funhouse is out at this point. Um, so, I, and then he says uh, that of the crude, unrefined street clatter. So he brings up the street idea. Um, I don't consider Sabbath much of a street band. Uh, there's absolutely nothing superfluous about Black Sabbath's music as distinctly opposed to the school of Cream Jeff Beck 10 years after egomania and interchangeable 10-minute jerk-off guitar solos. Black Sabbath grind out riff after riff after unrelenting riff. Even the guitar leads are riffs and there isn't one excessive uncalled for lead on their whole new album. So that's a cool thing about Sabbath too. They're putting aside, although this album can be a bit jammy, they're putting aside that jam ethic Metal Mike here is clearly getting bored with uh, with the jamminess of bands. Um, Jeff Beck, Cream, 10 years after. We know the British blues boom was bad for that, and that's one thing Black Sabbath was trying to get, a, get away from. He says, Master of Reality is a great album within Black Sabbath's conception of rock as heavy rock. So he's bringing already the idea of heavy rock and a lot. I've seen a lot of references to hard rock, even in the, early, in the uh, late 60s. So that's kind of cool. Um, they uh, they uh, may not be a subtle group, but by some strange reducto ad absurdum factor, they really are the most valid group to ever rise out of the genre of heavy rock. So that's cool. He's noticing they're super important and valid. Uh, if you've ever liked crude rock and roll noise, whether the early kinks 
and who are the Velvet Underground. So there he is. He has to compare to uh, the heaviest stuff from even, he's going back to the mid-60s here, and Velvet Underground isn't even heavy, but they're extreme, right? There is definitely something going on here worth listening to. There's really not that much of a, they're not much of a jump from the brilliance of the late great Stooges. So Stooges are already broken up in 71 uh, or Little Richard for that matter for what Black Sabbath is doing again. Then he goes on to say they don't sound like Little Richard, but it comes from the same uh, spirit. And one other quote I thought was kind of funny that he brings up. Uh, he says he calls them grungy rock and roll clatter. I could do a whole episode on the etymology of grunge. That's a fascinating one as well. Um, all right. Uh, Lester Bangs writes in Rolling Stone. Uh, this uh, let's, let's skip that part. Uh, then he again comparing Grand Funk and Black Sabbath. And nothing else. Both Funk and Sabbath are for their monotony at least supremely consistent, as opposed to shtick collectors with no personal vision like Deep Purple. Um, so he's bringing up the point that Black Sabbath doesn't alter what they're doing or change around too much. Remember, we're talking Master of Reality now. So this thing is heavy throughout except for the two kind of interlude songs, right? Um, well, two interludes in Solitude, right? Um, but he's noticing, um, and you're going to notice this throughout these Sabbath reviews, that a lot of people remark that, wow, they're doing one thing, this heaviness, and they're doing it well. Um, but it's worth pointing out because so many albums went all over the place in the early 70s, right? So that's kind of a new thing about this this new heavy metal thing, right? Um, let's see, what else does he say? Um, uh, rock and roll has always been noise, and Black Sabbath have boiled that noise to its resinous essence. Um Children of the Grave, I'm, I'm not saying that either of that or the arrangement it's set in the new My Generation, but it is a rocking, churning addition to the long def, a line of defiant, self-affirmative, and certainly a little defensive songs that goes right back to the earliest whap and wall of rock and roll. It's naive, simplistic, repetitive, absolute doggerel, but in the transition, uh, trend, uh, tradition. So kind of interesting. Um, the question uh, now is not whether we can accept lines as obvious as juvenile as that from a rock and roll record. They should be as palatable to anyone with a memory as uh, the stereotypic two and three chord structures of the songs. The only criterion is excitement and Black Sabbath's got it. The real question is whether Black Sabbath can grow and evolve as a band like the MC5 has so that there is a bit more variation to their sound from album to album. So he's actually decrying that there's not more variation. Uh, but that's what makes you part of a genre is, is you stick to something. And that's why Sabbath is, is considered a metal band. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's play our next selection and we shall discuss. This is Led Zeppelin with Black Dog. Okay, well, I picked Black Dog uh, because we are talking about Black Sabbath, but the category here is Volume 4. So I've got a couple of people talking about Volume 4, but before I get on to Volume 4, I wanted to mention as a bit of a side trip, it's funny, as I was trying to put together this episode and whether it was going to be Sabbath or not, I've actually got uh, a copy of the Rolling Stone record review. I'm looking right at it here. This is a book of record reviews from 1971. Uh, and then I've got Volume 2 that came out in 1974. And 71 doesn't include any Sabbath or Purple or anything like that. Uh, we could do a nice Hendrix um, 
examination there. Uh, but the second one does. And one of the ridiculous things in here, um, believe it or not, one of the great authors of all time, one of the great 20th century um, literature guys, Nick Tosh, wrote a review of Paranoid. But it's one of these ridiculous, uh, I'm just going to write a fantasy occult story um, and then say something semi-related to the music in the end. And then he kind of gets it completely wrong. Get, get a load of this. Um, so he writes... Four-fifths of the review is is this fantasy dreamscape story. has nothing to do with music. Then he goes, and this is their music. Although you may not enjoy its message, although you may not enjoy a lead singer, in brackets, Kip Trevor, um, who sounds like Keith Rolfe. Uh, he even spells Keith, that's Keith Ralph he's meaning there. But Kip Trevor is from Black Widow, right? Uh, yeah, Black Widow, not not Coven. Yeah, Black Widow, um, who sounds like um, Keith Rolfe whining about the tampon stuck up his nostrils. You owe it to yourself as a person concerned with contemporary society or merely with the artistic underground of the youth movement in general to be aware of the heavy sounds of bubblegum Satanism. And if you see them live, uh, sometimes they undress a hippie girl. So, yeah, a bunch of kind of nonsense. Uh, the Lester Bangs review of Master of Reality uh, comes next in this book, and it's super long. Um, but I won't I won't read into that. Um, so, yeah, uh, just played Black Dog, and that's because there are comparisons made to Zeppelin. So wrote Max Bell of Let It Rock. Uh, he calls this album, uh, um, this is volume four now, A Monumental Bore. Uh, in the, in the past, uh, say the set, their discs have suffered from a lack of the above essentials and a result, they have failed to do themselves justice on record. I'm inclined to think that even with unlimited resources, they would be hard put to make a really good album. Um, they just don't have sufficient talent or musical direction. The monotonous riff, the cliche drumming. So back then, um, if you played a straightforward heavy metal riff, people would call it monotonous, right? It doesn't have the bubbly bass line and the piano arrangement or any strings or anything like that. So um, people would say that about it, right? A cliche drumming, heavy bass work, flat vocals. Um, let's see. Later he says, um, their great American following is doubly difficult to comprehend because they are basically very English in their approach. And there are many other bands who are equally exciting. Uh, visually and far superior musically. Um, he goes on to say, they desperately need to widen their scope and as a start, the addition of a regular keyboard player wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, so that's pretty funny. Um, Black Sabbath have long assured their critics that they have the talent to make an album of real worth. I'm still looking forward to hearing it. Um, Jim Esposito from Zoo World uh, said, um, let's see, he, he talks about them and the heaviness further. Uh, let's see, after all, there's no medium of comparison with which you can rate the four Black Sabbath albums. What are you going to do? Institute some sort of weight measurement to see how heavy each one is? That's exactly what me and my buddies did. We actually went and did that, uh, which was quite funny. Uh, hang on, let's turn that off. Uh, so then he goes on to say, um, that's the main problem with Black Sabbath. Almost everything they do sounds just about the same. I'm not putting them down either because every band tries to create its own distinctive sound and it would be foolish for Black Sabbath to change just to satisfy a bunch of dilettantes that are still pissed off because the Beatles have broken up. So here he is, uh, you know, forecasting, telling the future of the, uh, of the, um, 
you know, the splitting into subgenres and then more and more and more as time will go on. But he's complaining about it and and saying, well, you know, he's kind of defending them, saying, look, they're they're playing a whole pile of heavy metal on this volume four album. Let them do it, right? Um, you know, why why should it have every kind of music going like early seventies albums, right? Uh, let's see. He says, I never heard the Beatles try to drown out New York City from London and no one expected them to. I thought that was pretty funny. You don't buy a Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath album to be carried away into the heavens on the wings of an angel after all. In a way, that's what the group is trying to say when they call it Vol 4. Volume 4. The same old stuff, just Volume 4. And if you can dig it, out, out of sight. There's a real market in driving people's heads right into the ground and those people now have another album to do it with. That's pretty interesting. Um, and then the comparison to Led Zeppelin, we've got um, Metal Mike Saunders again writing for Phonograph Record, November 1972. He says, Black Sabbath at their best have perhaps uh, the all-time ultimate rock and roll noise. Their music has relentlessly developed upon the idea of early who uh, we're getting at, that mystical moment when the music takes off and just becomes pure sound. That indeed is where Sabbath have made their basic stand, sound. Kind of interesting. I, I find... I find the unification of Tony's riffs and all this music as a version of pure sound. Um, then he says, large stretches of volume four sound a lot like Led Zeppelin. I, I don't really agree. Um, so that's kind of funny. And then later on, he does say, Black Sabbath going through the motions still shuts down 99% of today's rock. But there's one group it won't be, Led Zeppelin. Uh, the Zepp's fifth album, which should be out by the time you read this, may well decide who wears the crown of heavy metal champs for the next year. So in 72, he is like unadulterating, like this whole etymology of heavy metal is complicated, but he in 72 is using the term correctly. He kind of more or less helped coin the term. Um, but uh, yeah, he, Mike just sent me a big pile of stuff with all these cool pictures and stuff. I can't find it right now because I wanted to thank him and I, I can't find it. Um, anyways, so he's he's calling this heavy metal in 72, November 72. So that's kind of cool. Um, all right, uh, let's move on to our fourth selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Todd Rundgren with Black Maria. All right, from something, anything, question mark, third album, February 72. Uh, closest thing I can get to a Black Sabbath, Sabbath title was, uh, or a Sabbath title was Black Maria. Um, but the theme here is uh, I've got a, a review of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath that I wanted to quote from. So wrote Wayne Robbins um, reviewing the album for Cream back in 74. The question, uh, Sabs is, uh, where have you been so long, blah, blah, blah. Unlike every other gang of electric warriors, uh, Black Sabbath alone uh, retain ultimate dignity would they ever let todd rungan rungan produce them to get a hit record that's why i played todd um pretty funny uh imagine uh todd producing a sabbath album he did do a grand funk album didn't make any difference didn't sound all that different uh but yeah i thought that was funny and that's why i played todd um and then later on, he says they've been too busy making their most ambitious album to date. So he's recognizing at least that this is a pretty ambitious sounding Sabbath album. Um, 
there is actually a chord change on who are you and a certain amount of melodic inventiveness that some of the more Cro-Magnon-esque elements of Sab uh, culture might have a hard time dealing with. You often see that Cro-Magnon uh, used as an adjective on these early reviews. The most difficult aspect of all this is to relate it uh, to the appearance of Yes's Rick Wakeman on some kind of screwy keyboard. You know what that smells like to me? Attempted artistic achievement. And if the Sabs ever fall for that, they're sunk. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. He's kind of getting it right. He is realizing that Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath is uh, quite a complicated, different sort of Sabbath album. Uh, but he's uh, he's saying he doesn't want them to go that way. But yeah, again, we're looking at this idea of should bands have variety or should they not sort of thing. Um, all right, let's move on to our last selection here. This is MC5 with Miss X. All right, I picked that one out. This goes out to Don. Uh, I wanted uh, wanted Don to hear that one. Um, Don is a big fan of Miss X. Um, but our category here is sabotage. But uh, yeah, there's a comparison coming up to MC5. Uh, this is from the great High Time album, the third and final MC5 album, July 6, 1971. Um, but... Uh, I've got a review from uh, Mick Farron, uh, Pink Fairy's famous Mick Farron. He wrote books himself. Um, but uh, he wrote a review for Sabotage in The Enemy. Uh, it's not very positive. Um, he says, I think it was Lester Bangs who put forward the proposition that people who went to Black Sabbath concerts derived their pleasure from ingesting massive amounts of downers and simply let the noise of the band vibrate their chest cavities, thus bypassing the ear altogether. Kind of funny, he mentions downers because, you know, Bill Ward is always the guy who would uh, memorably quoted saying, Black Sabbath is a downers and wine band, man. Um, the problem with this thesis is that it hardly holds true for Black Sabbath's records. You can scarcely achieve this kind of effect on the average home stereo without facing instant eviction. Um, there simply can't be enough hermits and mountain dwellers to put this unpleasant record at number nine in the charts. At this point, the fact has to be faced that Black Sabbath are simply low consciousness music. Uh, at this point, uh, you know, and Mick Farron, his past is even simpler music. So I don't know why he's saying, especially about Sabotage, which is a masterpiece. It's actually quite complicated and there's a lot going on, right? Um, let's see. It's simply that I find it hard to relate to. I don't have one. Uh, uh, he means consciousness. Neither do my knuckles trail on the ground when I walk. So here's the typical uh, critics being snobs about heavy metal. Um Little Richard used to call rock and roll the healing music. Daily Mirror col columnists like to call it call it tune infectious. Uh, this has to be atrophy music. It's heavy metal that's so far uh, into its half-life that the that decay is almost complete. So he's saying heavy metal is almost expired by this point, 1975. Little does he know, America's going to take over. 80s is going to have the new wave of British heavy metal, hair metal, thrash, death metal. Uh, the snap and fire of Jimmy, the MC5 and even early Who, has been transformed by Sabbath into a ponderous rolling thing, italics, that crushes all in its monom monomaniac path. Uh, so he's correctly and, you know, 
adjacently mentioning Jimmy, uh, Jimi Hendrix, MC5. MC5's the heaviest of these three, and The Who. You often see a lot of comparisons to to The Who. You, you know what you don't see in a lot of early Sabbath reviews is comparisons to Deep Purple or Your Eye Heap, which is funny because that's the way we look at it nowadays, right? Um, is there no handsome young scientist who will come and save us in the nick of time? Just as religioid chorales and tired shock tactics failed to, to disguise the essentially brutal thud-thud structures, the five sent psychiatry in the lyrics that's pretty funny uh yeah fails to boost them to even b-movie stature um so yeah i think at this point sabbath is beyond b-movies uh the five cent psychiatry i think it's at least 25 cent psychiatry uh that we get with sabbath at this point um so yeah this is this is more of like a snobbish uh review against heavy metal uh kind of thing um but yeah some interesting things but i think the other thing you get from these reviews is um these reviewers really did kind of try to write in that Gonzo Lester Bangs style. We even have Lester Bangs himself here. Um, so these these reviewers are trying to be colorful. Nick Tosh takes it to a whole new level. Uh, but yeah, you, you get a lot of entertainment when these guys would, would write reviews. But because, you know, the fact of the matter is we're all going to actual magazines. These magazines are selling tons and tons of copies. They're huge. I mean, magazines and books have been big things. Uh, you know, you go back to massive, massive magazines, even in the 1800s, the 19, early 1900s, right? Um, so a lot of people are reading in the, these reviews. So, so the fact that they're trying to rise to literary levels kind of makes sense because there's a lot of eyeballs on these reviews. So I think you get, you're really entertained by these Sabbath reviews. And, but you are also noticing, I think it proves my point that it's really hard to compare this to anything. And it's kind of hard to get it right when it's absolutely brand new music. So yeah, maybe I will do some other ones like this and we'll look at all these other different categories I, I could have done, uh, for this situation. Um, so there you go. If you like the show and want to support future episodes, go to ko-fi.com slash martinpopoff. Hit that hit, uh, red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. This week, I want to thank Joe Becht, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Lee Clifford, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, and Steve Polari. Uh, you can go to martinpopoff.com, get your, get your books. Um, the latest one just came out was uh, Pictures at 11, Robert Plant, album by album, a really good deep panel analysis of every single Robert Plant solo album. I'm loving doing these panel books because I actually become one of the panelists uh, because I get fired up by the concepts and then I start uh, bringing up the concepts uh, in my questions. And I, and I try to massage in when I have like a cool new conceptual deep point to make. I want to make sure it gets in there too. But I'm hearing a lot of them also from my panelists. And I'm really noticing that. That really happened in the Bluish Cult book as well. So many cool new conceptual things came up that, that go into that. New ways to look at these studio albums. And I'm working on a couple more like this. And actually the Thin Lizzy one is coming in the next couple of weeks as well. And there were a lot of neat ideas in that too. So that's all at martinpopoff.com. Uh, um, you know what? Don't go listen to Cream. Don't go listen to Grand Funk. You're all sick of Led Zeppelin. Todd Rundgren would be kind of cool to listen to. MC5's cool to listen to. I should listen more Todd myself, but your homework for today is just go listen to some old Black Sabbath. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. 
All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. <laughs>